0: We are, we're talking about generosity, and uh, I'll be honest with you, um, generosity is it, it's a great topic to talk about. It's really hard to live out. It's one of those concepts where everyone knows what the theory is, but it's one of those topics that if it stays theoretical, it's a hopeless topic. You know, it's, it, generosity is a very practical Um, Topic and this whole month we're talking about generosity. We're talking about what does it mean to be generous with your time. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, Tonight we're going to be talking about generosity uh, with your treasures. And everyone gets excited about that. Next we're going to talk about generosity with your talents, your skills, your giftings. I think that's going to be a really fun week as well. And then the last week actually, I'm really excited about this uh life group guys would know life group leaders would know but on the last week we want to spend a little bit of time uh, in testimony about um people coming and sharing um where you've witnessed generosity and not just you know me teaching you about generosity but I want uh we're going to use that week for people in our community to share with us generosity and we can learn from them and uh we're hoping that this is a real big um beginning a catalyst for, for creating a, a more generous community uh, at the chapel. Amen? Amen. Three of us. That's good. We'll get there. Tonight we're talking about gen- being generous with your treasure. And if I was going to name it otherwise, your stuff. We're not going to talk about money. We're going to talk about possessions. We're going to talk about your things. Uh, the goal tonight is not to make you feel guilty. Guilty. The goal tonight is not to make you feel shameful. The goal tonight is to convict you with whatever God wants to convict you with. And I'm just his servant. So don't shoot the messenger. If you don't agree with me, you take it up with God. You know, we all like stuff. Uh, there have been many uh, documentaries. There have been many um, TV shows. Uh, I love There's one called Hoarders. Anyone seen the, the show Hoarders, right? It's like... It, it, it looks at lives of certain people that just can't throw away stuff. And uh, actually, one of my favorite shows is a show called American Pickers. And it's these two guys, nerdy looking guys. And they go around, they drive around America, and they find these people that are like collectors or hoarders, whatever you want to call them. And then they find stuff and they buy it, you know, for like 10 bucks because they know in their head they can sell it for 5000 you know, stuff like that, right? And they just go picking these places. And it's amazing what people hoard. It's amazing what people will hold on to, right? And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about what's a great example of people holding on to useless things, right? Just for the sake of holding on to it. And I'm not, like when we talk about uh, money and possessions and stuff, it's, it's literally not just your, your dollars and cents. We're talking about anything that you own. My mom is a great example of this. A few few months ago, my mum pulled out, no joke, and if you follow me on Instagram, Stephen chart, one word. Um, (laughs) My mum pulls out my primary school athletics carnival ribbons, right? And you're thinking to yourself, what is a primary school? If you grew up in Australia, uh, you know, you have sports carnivals, and if you, you know, come first. What color is first? Who, who, who knows? Blue. That's right. What color is second? Red. What color is third? Right? Check this, right? What color is fourth? Right. See, the only people who know that are the ones that got fourth ribbon. right? You guys are the guys that people felt sorry for. I tell you what, there's no such thing as a fourth ribbon, but maybe at your school, you guys got it. Okay, that's awesome. Participation. My mum pulls these out, right? And, you know, it's hard to believe, but when I was in primary school, that was my sporting peak, okay? When I was 10 years old, I know this is hard to believe, but I was an elite athlete. I know it's hard to believe. Uh, In my primary school, in year five, I was the third runner in the four by 100 relay, right? The third runner is the curve, okay? It's not the fastest, it's the second fastest runner right uh, i 'm proud to say it that I was the third I was the second fastest runner in my school at that time, and our relay was so good we went to state we didn't go for we, we we smashed the school one we went to zone, we smashed that one we went to regional we smashed that one, and we got to state and we came fourth right that means technically okay one, two three, twelve people, okay, and then the guy that was faster than me third I was the fourteenth fastest. Ten-year-old in New South Wales at a certain time of my life. I know, amazing, amazing. Right? My mum pulls these ribbons out, and I'm like, "Why do you have them?" She goes, "I'm never going to throw these away. Why? Because I'm going to keep them. For what reason? Do you know why my mum pulled them out? To inspire my children. <laughs> this is what you can become." <laughs> There are certain things I'm sure in your life as well, people that you know, things that you can't throw away. Things that you hold, they might be memories, they might be uh, you know, physical material things. There might be money, possessions, right? We all like money, we all like possessions because it's our treasure. That's our treasure. Okay? And we especially like it and we especially treasure them if we feel like we earned it or we deserve it. I bought it. I worked hard to earn this money. No one else should have it because it's mine. I'm going to get straight into what I think is the most important principle about finance and possessions in the kingdom of God, and it's this. You need to hear this one principle because this actually determines how you see money and finance and your possessions in the eyes of God. It's all to do with the principle of ownership. It's the question of whose is it anyway? Whose stuff is it anyway? Whose money is it anyway? And here's the principle. If you're writing this down, if you're writing notes, this is the principle. It's all God's stuff that's the bottom line principle it's all God's stuff God is the owner of everything in this world now you might agree disagree that's fine okay I said don't don't look at me and go well I think that's a you know whatever principle no I'm going to show you that this is what God says See, as much as you think that that your hard-earned money is your money and only yours, the Bible makes it clear that God actually owns everything. Colossians 1.16, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Not for you. All things were created by him and for him. Now, if you're like, well, you know, that's just one verse out of the Bible. Well, let me give you four more. Deuteronomy 10:14, to the Lord our God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Psalm 50:12, the world is God saying, the world is mine and all that is in it. Okay. For every animal. Oh no, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And that comes from Haggai 2, 8. Is that it? Here we go. Oh, I missed it. For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. 1 Chronicles 29 for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over. The Bible clearly states this is not a gray issue. Clearly states that everything on earth, every material thing that there is, everything belongs to God. That's what the Bible says. See, you feel free to disagree with me, but remember who you're disagreeing with. Okay? Funny thing is, we read these verses, and some of us would even agree with these verses, and yet. Yet, we struggle, we finance and material possessions because we still, in our heart of hearts, still believe that it belongs to me. We worked hard for it. I've saved for this. It was given to me. It's mine. But the Bible completely contradicts that. And here's the thing. Here's your choice, Right? say it right up you either reject it or you accept it that's it you either accept that this is the truth of god that is given to us through the authority of the scriptures and say that everything that i have is god's or you reject that it's as simple as that it's not like your opinion it's just either you whether you accept god's word for what it is or you reject it it's it We struggle with this. And I think the reason why we struggle with this is because we are wealthy. We as a society are wealthy. We live in one of the most wealthiest countries in the world. You know, when you don't have much, you can give up. Have little, give up little. But we're wealthy. So actually, we've got a lot to lose. We've got jobs, got families, got incomes, got mortgages. Multiple mortgages. We've got a lot to lose. And I think that's why it's harder. It's harder. Most of us struggle with generosity because of ownership and entitlement. This is mine, so I'm going to do what I want to do with it. I deserve it. No one can tell me what to do with my stuff. But here's the thing. If we believe in what the Bible tells us, that it's not mine, but it's God's and it was given to us by God, then what happens is we can loosen our grip on the things of this world and we find ourselves putting ourselves in a space where we can be generous. Now, have some fun tonight. Here's a dollar, real dollar coin. For those on the podcast, I'm holding a dollar coin. This is a $19.88. Actually, think this one's worth a bit more. (laughs) It was a good year that year. If I pull out, if if I said to you, hey, pull out a dollar from your own wallet, right? You pull one out. And I said to you, hey, go be generous with it. Go be generous with the dollar. You know why we would struggle with that? Not because it's a dollar. Not because it's a lot or a little. But the reason why we'll struggle with generosity is because it came out of our own back pocket. You had to earn that dollar. So you are entitled to that dollar. You know, it's not free. Okay? That's the struggle. And I think that's why we struggle the most. Because it's mine. I deserve it. I'm entitled to do what I want with my own dollar, which I made, I earned it, I deserve it. It's mine. But what if I was to give you a dollar? What if I was to give you a dollar today? I'm gonna give you a dollar. My my helpers are gonna come. Look, got dollars for everyone. Everyone gets a dollar. Happy birthday. I'm oh, cheering. Easy crowd, just no. Just. <laughs> Everyone gets a dollar. This is a free dollar. Sadly, in this world, you, there's not much you can do with a dollar. Everyone gets a dollar. What? Huh? Maccas. what can you get from Maccas for a dollar? Kuhn. How many soft serves can you get? One, how much is a soft serve? 70 cents? Isn't it 50 cents? 60 cents. What a ripoff. All right, everyone got a dollar? This is to help illustrate the sermon, by the way. It's not like, don't go tell your friends, hey, come to my church. They give out money, you know. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, we do. You just miss the week. You know, it only happens one, you know, one day in a year. Now, if I said to you, okay, here's a dollar. I gave you this dollar. You didn't have to earn it. You did nothing to receive this dollar. You just turned up to church on the good week, right, and you got a dollar. And I said, go and be generous with this dollar. You know what? You would be, as as a group, we would be more generous with these dollars. Why? Because someone gave it to you. You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything to actually get this. You just turned up. That's why the principle of ownership is so important when we talk about generosity in our treasures. And that's the founding principle because you need to know where this money came from. It determines your attitude and practice of generosity. Deuteronomy 8, 17, 18 says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord God, Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers, as it is today. Remember, it's not that you earned this dollar, even that. God, God rebukes that. I earned this. I worked hard. I got the promotion. You know, I've been saving. No, God gave you the ability to even do that. This is all from God. So what should our approach be towards our treasures? Okay, and we're going to go to today's passage in Luke chapter 12. And we're going we're to let the Bible teach us some principles in the way we see our treasures. Okay? Crowd's going wild at the back. (laughs) Did they get their dollar? Maybe that's why. (laughs) Did someone eat that? Don't give them the dollar. They'll eat that dollar. There are four principles that we see in this passage. The first one is this. There is more to life than things. Here we go. Someone in the crowd... Said to him, teacher, we're talking. teacher is Jesus. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself Now let me let me let me paraphrase a verse in there where the man says I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, tr- eat, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, you might not be thinking, oh, that's something that I don't say, or that's something that, that we don't hear. But but you may have heard things like, you know, I'll work hard now, save. I'll buy multiple properties, and I'll retire early. Live life. Enjoy. Be merry. Same thing. Same thing. Verse 15, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions you know why this is such a crazy verse it goes against everything that the world teaches us what does the world teach us one of the biggest isms that we know that exists is this idea of consumerism all right the idea that we exist to consume the more we have the happier we are you watch tv that's all you see buy this buy more Get this house. Put on that makeup. You will be happy. You will be satisfied. This is the narrative of what the world teaches us. We're all stuck in it. Study hard. Why? Get a good degree. Why? Get a good job. Why? Earn more money. Why? Buy good things. Earn more money. Buy bigger houses to store the good things. It goes on and on and on, and yet what we forget is the very most important thing, that that the whole purpose of our life is not that rat race. That's not the goal of your life. That's not why God created you, so that you could sit there and go through what the world tells you is the purpose of your life. No, God gives us a very different purpose, and that is to exist for His purposes, The purpose of our life is not the accumulation of things, but it's life itself. You know what's sad? I have so many friends that are in this stage of life where they earn good money. You know, uh, they've been out of university for 10, 15 years now. So they're getting themselves into places amazing places in the world. They're not talking about their first home, you know, first home. They're talking about multiple portfolios in property. And yet I'm like, how have the last 10 years of your life been? Oh man, I've just been working. That's it, the whole 10 years of their life. Let me read this quote. It, It only needs God to take away a person's life and at once, it becomes apparent how useless possessions can be. Isn't that the truth? Man, we, we live and die for these possessions. We live and die. We give up family time. We give up time with God. We give up time with our friends. We, you know, we, parents give up the, the, watching their kids grow for what? For this accumulation of possessions, and yet death shows us that when you entered the world, you came with nothing, and when you leave, you will leave with nothing. Don't make your life about building up the treasures here simply because that's not why you were created, that's not the purpose of your life. There's more to life than things. Second principle that we see as we read this passage is this greed is a sin. Greed is a sin. Verse 15, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Greed is defined as the desire for material wealth or gain, ignoring the realm of the spiritual it's the desire for material wealth or gain ignoring the realm of the spiritual the bible tells us clearly greed is a sin okay another word for greed is the word covetousness right which is actually one of the 10 commandments thou shalt not covet thou shalt not covered greed is a sin greed is not a gray area or it's like oh you know I don't know if this is a sin or not no greed is a sin not sharing wanting more just for yourself not being content with what you have these are all things that God does not agree upon you know what's funny about it? We don't like that word sin. We don't like being told that we're sinful. So you know what we've done? We've taken the word greed and we've changed the word to make it somewhat acceptable. So you know what we call it now? We call it ambition. We call it investment. Plans for the future. Our security net. Our safety net. And we think that if we call it a different name, that it might be acceptable to God, but it is not. It's just another word for greed. Why is it a sin? Because you're trusting in your own ability to provide and look after yourself instead of trusting in God. It's as simple as that. You're trusting in your works, your ability to save, your ability not to share, your ability to invest, your ambition to look after your future instead of saying, God, I trust you. Isn't that what it is? Look, I'm working hard so I can put a deposit on a house now and then so that, you know, you know, hey, it's the, it's the same narrative. I'm investing for the future. And I think God's saying, well, I I thought I was your future. I thought I was the one that's going to look after you, not you. God says to give and share, and we say no, because we need to look after ourselves. And the question is, well, who are you trusting? Who are you placing your trust into? It's not God. It's you. You are making yourself out to be the God of your life. And this is why greed is a sin. Not going to sugarcoat it at all. Why do we need to know this? Because it's as simple as this. This is not what God desires. God doesn't say it's okay if you call it ambition or being frugal or being, you know, savvy with your money, or whatever people call it these days. No, God says, if you're greedy, it's a sin. It's not what I want for you. It's not why I created you. You're trusting in yourself. You're not trusting in what I can give to you. Hey, I've had many conversations about this. That's fine if you disagree with me, that's fine. You know, a lot of people come up and give me different answers, different reasons of why it's not like that and why we've got to read it differently in circumstances. But, but you know what? In, in my opinion, as I study the Word of God, greed is just not acceptable in God's eyes because I think it goes directly against what God wants. He wants you to trust Him with your future, not for you to trust the housing market for your future. He wants you to trust him with what what you have on the table rather than trusting your own ability to earn more. You cannot please God and be greedy at the same time. Period. We need to understand greed is a sin. Third thing we need to understand from this passage about treasures is that we need to trust God and not your treasures. Verse 22, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Wow. Imagine if we really believe that, eh? Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear, for life is more important than food and body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They do not have storeroom or barns, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you You of little faith, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them, but seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Jesus uses the example of food and clothing. Why? Because they're the bare essentials. The basics of our life. And he says, hey, look at the birds. What do they, what, what do they produce? I, I, I don't know why, but in my backyard, my backyard is a meeting place for birds. I kind of started working out why recently. Because my wife uses my children to feed them, to attract them. Which is fine, but you know, birds don't do anything. They're not even like bees. Bees, you know, they say right. There was this whole thing about bees, you know, like the whole like fake sugar and fake honey stuff, right? Like if the world didn't have bees, we'd all be dead, right? They, they, that's what they say. And if you watch the Bee movie, that's what it says. Okay, if we don't have bees, then we'll die. The birds aren't like that, right? They bring bring nothing. What what do they bring into God's economy? Do they evangelize? (laughs) You know, like, do they tithe? You know, do they build churches? They do nothing. And yet God feeds them. And Jesus says, if God's going to feed these birds, if you are more valuable to God, don't you think God would feed you? Don't you think God will take care of you? And then he uses the the example of these wildflowers. Look how beautiful they are. And they are. I I don't know if you knew this about me, but but I have a secret hobby of uh, taking photos of flowers. It's so secret that nobody knows. Sometimes even I don't know. (laughs) Right? But flowers are beautiful. They're so intricate. They're so different, like big ones, little ones, and that's as far as the stereotypes go with me, big flowers and little flowers. You know, but there's so much detail on them. And Jesus says, well, they're there one day and gone the next, and yet God makes them so beautiful. He clothes them. He he takes care of them. Like, will he not take care of you? Verse 30, for the pagan world runs after such things. The pagan world, the unbelieving world runs after the things of what to eat and what to wear. The pagan world, the unbelieving world. And your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you. You know, how many times do we worry, you know, especially when you get married, and I know we have, we have a lot of married couples, and especially, like, young families. The, the burden of providing for your family is an enormous burden. I'm not going to take away from that. Hey, I have the biggest family in all of our church. And God continues to bless us. <laughs> yesterday, I was, um, my, my sister got married yesterday. And um, I had an opportunity. I presided at the wedding. That was weird. So I'm like, here comes the bride. And I'm watching my dad and my sister walk in. And I thought, this is weird. This, this is not natural. And the passage that I, I was preaching from was Psalm 127. Um, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain. And then and, and later in the passage, it talks about how children are a blessing. Children are a blessing from God. And the more that you have... The, the, the stronger and, and the more, you know, upheld you will be as a man. And I said, God, <sighs> thank you for affirming me. <laughs> but, you know, as a family, it, the, the burden of providing for family is really tough. It is. Because sometimes you think to yourself, you know what, like, I, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to live at this level. And sometimes if you just lived in a vacuum, it wouldn't be a problem. But the problem is all of their friends, all these other families, you know? Like suddenly, like some kids, you know, you hear this, right? Oh, you know, like, uh, you know, like these guys at my school, they all have phones now. This is my first son. He goes, yeah, you know, like year six kids, they have phones now. And they just, he just kind of slides it in conversation to me. (laughs) I'm in year five, dad. Year six kids have phones. I'm nearly in year six. Just saying. Uh-huh. And you know, like my my wife and I, we 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 made a decision that you know we're we're gonna obviously we're gonna live within our means. When you know the new iPhone X L L L or whatever the X is, you know, like and I'm not gonna be one of those parents that goes and buys the brand new phone for the kid. Hell no, buy it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> But sometimes there's that pressure, there there is, there's this pressure where you're like, you know what, I'm not going to buy my phone, I'm I'm not going to buy this phone for my kid, but then every other kid has one. And you can't control what other families do, right? But you don't want to look, you you don't want your kid to look bad in that setting. There's that pressure. There's pressure on parents to provide, but I promise you, especially families and parents and and, and married people, listen to God's word. He says, worrying about this will get you nowhere. Seek his kingdom first, and God will give to you what you need. God will give to you. You don't even have to earn it. God will give it to you. Trust God with your life and everything in it. Choose not to trust in yourself. Or your own ability trust god first seek him first he'll take care of you And the final principle that we see in this passage number four is this be generous verse 32 to 34 do not be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom amen no one likes this verse sell your possessions and give to the poor <laughs> The Father has been has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of God. He's going to give it to you. So go sell what you Your life and everything in it. Choose not to trust in yourself or your own ability. Trust God first. Seek Him first. He will take care of you. And the final principle that we see in this passage, number four, is this be generous. Verse 32 to 34. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Amen. No one likes this verse. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. (laughs) (laughs) The Father has has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of God. He's going to give it to you. So go sell what you have. Give to the poor because God is going to give you heaven. <laughs> Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not fail, where no thief will come near, no moth destroy, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can you see what God is saying? Can you see what generosity is? God is saying, I'm going to give you the kingdom. I'm going to give you my kingdom. I'm going to give you an eternity. I'm going to give you something that that you cannot earn for yourself, something that you can live and you can try to get to, but you're never going to get there. I'm going to give it to you. And so I want you to go sell everything you have and give to the poor because I'm going to continue to fill you with more and bigger and better things. Be generous because it's not yours anyway and it's not worth anything when you die. Set your hearts on the everlasting and not on the temporary. Be consumed by heaven and not earth. Be generous because your heavenly Father was generous toward you first and everyone said amen. Now, does this mean literally go home? All right, well. Bible says, "Sell everything. Put my house back on the market. Put my car out. You know, God gave me two legs. Gave me city rail. <laughs> you know, th- th- does God mean literally go and sell? Uh, can I tell you the answer to this? It's a yes and no answer. Maybe." Maybe for some of you, it's li- literally. If that's what it takes for God to teach you generosity so that He can bless you even more, maybe that's what God wants. It's not to be irresponsible, but it's that heart and that attitude that literally says, I'm willing, God, I'm willing, God, to give up anything and everything that I have because I trust in Your provision and not how much I can earn for myself. Be generous, because our Father is generous. So, recap. First, four things that God teaches us. First is this life is not about the abundance of possession. Secondly, greed is a sin. Third, trust in God and not your own treasures. And fourthly, be generous because our God is generous. Now, let's get back to the dollar, the mighty dollar. What did you do to earn this dollar? Nothing. What did you do to deserve this dollar? Nothing. And I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to. Give, I gave you this dollar, and I am give you a choice. All right? You know, some of us, we think to ourselves, "Great, a dollar straight into my pocket. I could use this dollar. Buy a seventy cent cone, McDonald's. You know." Literally, I'm trying to work out what else you can buy for a dollar, but there's not much. Large frozen coat. thank you. Sorry? Postage stamp. Some of us, like, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, it's only a dollar coin, so it's actually not worth that much. If I could, and for the sake of the example, and if I was like super loaded, if I gave out $100 to each of you, Some of you would be like, this is great. Straight into my back pocket. That's lunch for the week. You know? That can go to my kingdom. That can go. And some of us, but but you know, some of us are like, you know what? Kind of, it wasn't mine to start off with. So it's no big deal if I give it away. It's no big deal if I, you know, be generous with it. Because it wasn't mine to start off with. And then there are some of us that are like, awesome! Awesome! got a dollar. I was blessed and I want to pass that blessing. And I think they're the three attitudes that people have in life about their treasures. There's a group of us that would be like, you know what? I'm going to take it. I'm going to invest it into my own kingdom and enjoy it. Thank you. The second group of people is like, you know what? God gave me this. It's not even mine to start off with. You know, I can yeah, I can be generous with this. It wasn't mine anyway. But the third group of people, and, and and I don't know if you've met people like this. I have met people like this. They are wealthy. They are, they are generous. It's not about how much money you have. It's about the heart of generosity. The more that they have, the more they, that they want to give. And these are generous people. You might not be a generous person. Statistically speaking, that... Uh, you know, there's a good proportion of us that are not generous people. And that's okay, not judging you, okay? It's just where you're at, okay? What we're gonna do is, I'm gonna pray, and then after we pray, we're gonna have time of offering, okay? And on top of the normal offering that we do, okay, I'm gonna encourage you to offer your dollar, it's not my dollar, I've given it to you freely, okay? I'm not like, you know, I write down your name. okay. I saw you take two, okay? You know, I'm not like that. I literally took out this money because I wanted to give each and every one of you a dollar. If I had more money, I would have given you two dollars. Okay, it's just where I'm at. And I want to encourage you to be generous with your dollar. Okay? Now, why why I want to encourage you to do this is this. First and foremost, if you really need that dollar, for whatever reason, and in your mind, you're like, you know what? For whatever reason, you're like, I could use this dollar. You know what? Take the dollar. I'd love the fact that you need it. That's fine. But I know for some of us, we've never been in a position where we can be generous. We feel like we're we're lacking all the time. But maybe tonight... Maybe tonight's the night where you go, you know what, I, I just, I just want to, uh, wow, I, I have an opportunity to be generous. Even though it's just a dollar. And so, as we give our offering, as we give our offering tonight, uh, I'm going to ask, if you'd like to, you can be generous with your dollar. And even the act of giving, out, giving God this dollar for the sake of His kingdom hopefully will become the starting point and the catalyst for you to learn to live a generous life. And you might be thinking to yourself, oh, it's only a dollar. And you know what God's saying to you? It's only a lifetime. I've got the kingdom to give to you. I've got eternity that I'm going to give to you. It's only a house. It's only a car. It's only an income. So as much as we think it's only a dollar i challenge you be generous with your treasures let's pray let's pray